Life Audio. I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. In John 16, 12, Jesus stated, There is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the Spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Pastor Jenny Wong Clayville with me as we have a conversation around the Advent season and our meditation on Luke 1, 68 through 75. But before we get started in our conversation, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Jenny has been in full-time ministry since 2001, and she's served as pastors in churches in Portland, Oregon, El Paso, Texas, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and Fort Worth, Texas. She's a wide variety of ministry experience in positions such as a worship pastor, to first impressions, to an executive pastor, and now she is the weekend experience pastor at National Community Church in Fairfax, Virginia. Jenny is married to Brian and boy mom to Chance and Paxton. She says that she's an unpretentious foodie and a more pretentious coffee lover, <laughs> a mediocre crossfitter, and a self-proclaimed comedian who is apparently scared of clowns and thinks they aren't very funny at all, which I think is fascinating, Jenny. So <laughs> thanks for joining us today, Jenny. I'm so glad to have you here. I love it. I'm so excited to be here. Okay, so Jenny, I am curious, where did the fear of clowns come from? You know, I think when I was younger, um, I, my mom left us at a house with an older teenager to watch us, and they were watching the movie It. Do you remember? Like, just oh. Stephen King's scariness. And it was a clown. And I've never been comfortable around them anyway. I'm like, why do you have so much makeup on your face? It's just not okay. <laughs> and then I saw this movie 
parts of it. I didn't watch all of it. And I was just like forever ruminating in my head. So I right. just, they're just uncomfortable. Um, I know they're supposed to bring joy, like they're at parties and stuff, but I'm just so uncomfortable around it. I'm no, thank you. Hard pass. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. And also the fact that this teenager had a horror movie on while he was watching children. I know she was watching children. So, so anyway. good. <laughs> so responsible. Amazing. Well, you know what? We survived all the things that are parents yes. tried their best with. So, all right. So we meditated on this really beautiful passage. It's actually a prophetic poem that uh, Zechariah speaks about Jesus. And so I want to just read it real quick to remind us of it. And then we'll dive into talking about it. So this is Luke chapter one, verses 68 through 75. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. As he said through his prophets of long ago, salvation for our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Okay, so there is so much in that passage, so much prophecy, so much um, forward-looking and that Jesus fulfills. And so I am just curious, as you meditated on this passage, Jenny, where was the first place that the Lord took you to or drew your attention? I mean, if you read the whole passage, Zechariah hasn't spoken here for a while. And so the fact that this was like the first thing he said once God gave him his voice back actually created more questions in my head. Like, for me, what would be the outpour of my heart if I was silent as long as Zechariah mm-hmm. was? Would this actually be what came out of my mouth? You know? And so he was clearly ruminating on these thoughts for some time. And so my first thought really is he is speaking into, um, like you said, there's some prophetic stuff going on and Jesus comes later and flips everything kind of on its head, right? Um, but I think more into like a theological background, just things that I've read of, you know, this song of Zechariah, uh, also called the Benedictus, um, has been said or, um, has, was sung in like early morning worship since it was introduced like in the sixth century as a song. It's a blessing. Um, that's what Benedictus means in Latin. And it's a, it's a song of hope. And so it speaks also of, you know, times of hardship. I also see it clustered with the Magnificat, which is, um, the Song of Mary uh, translates to "My Soul Magnifies the Lord." Um, Simeon's Prayer. This, these are all protest prayers and songs, um, and it's coming from a lens of an oppressed people. So I see it more as Zechariah isn't seeing all this out of an outpour of really his experience in that time, in that culture, in that place. And so then Jesus comes to flip all of this later on as one on the side of the oppressed, but he doesn't come in to overthrow Rome with violence or military strength. Instead, the gospel comes most readily to those who are not in power and that don't have privilege. Um, But the way of the gospel doesn't lead to violent overthrow, Mm. you know, as Jesus Mm. lives it. And so God comes to the powerless and Jesus, Jesus's power also looks powerless in that time as they're all saying, Hey, just, you know, you can see the zealot saying like, just overthrow them. And Jesus is like, no, there's a third way. Mm -hmm. And so really this is just a beautiful 
prayer and a song of what's to come and, and what we already have in remembering, you know, it says to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. Mm -hmm. So much of it is in remembering. And we are a people that move so fast, just in front and before God says go so often, you know, and so it's a good uh, reminder to Mm -hmm. slow down Mm -hmm. and just take a moment. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. And I think maybe it it bears backing up just a little bit to bring us up to speed in the story. If you are, you know, kind of jumping in cold to this part of the narrative, Um, Zechariah is approached by an angel and told that when he is doing his priestly duty, he has been nominated to go in and do this very um, holy work of going into the inner place to meet with God. And it is there that he sees an angel and the angel tells him that you and Elizabeth are going to conceive and have a child. And his response is one of doubt and question. He says, you know, I'm really old. How could this happen to me? And that's when the angel says, because you haven't believed me, you're going to be Mm -hmm. silent now until this actually comes to fruition. So he's been Mm -hmm. silenced for better than nine months for sure. Cause we don't know how long it actually took Elizabeth to conceive, but let's assume there was just a little space of time there. So 10 months, 11 months, a year, he's not been able to speak a word. Yep. <laughs> and so, like you said, he's been sitting and I imagine he's been having a lot of conversations with the Lord. <laughs> yes. And so absolutely. This is what pours out of him. And I imagine he's been listening to Elizabeth a lot as well. <laughs> Cause she's, oh you know, probably goodness. got some things to say to him. So Anyway, but this is that's where this story picks up. Elizabeth has gives birth to their son, who they named John, which is exactly who the Lord told them to name or what the Lord told them to name him. And that's when his basically his mouth is opened and he speaks. So, okay, so let's dive in a little bit further. I love everything you brought up really about how you were contemplating would these be the words that poured out of my mouth or what would they be Mm -hmm. after sitting in silence and just observing all of the things happening in front of him? So where did you go on a more personal level into the passage? Where did the Lord take you? You know, what's interesting is uh, if I'm completely honest, if I were silent this long, and the first words out of my mouth would not be a blessing. It would be like, what the heck? Why? I would be a little bitter. I'd be upset, you know, like now, now, um, this is probably why, you know, it didn't happen to me. It happened to Zechariah because he is much holier. So, uh, (laughs) but yeah, you know, I don't know though. Maybe that's not true. Maybe that's what we just think would happen. I mean, after that long of sitting there, maybe you really have like the Lord has really broken some things down in us. Because I'm with you. I think, well, my first reaction would be, and then I'm like, well, maybe let's give ourselves a little more credit. I'll tell you this, Jody. I don't really want to test it. So this is not an invitation <laughs> to the Lord to like shut me up for nine months because uh, I, I, I like actually being able to ask questions and all that stuff. We're going to pause here and take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. And then Jenny and I are going to be back to talk about how silence really does play an important role in her relationship with the Lord. Because I do know like when I take silent retreats or take a a whole day of silence that really great things happen in my soul deep Mm -hmm. down. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I know that to be true. Um, And joking aside, I would like to think that I would be 
more aware of God's presence of what's to come. Man, I mean, Zechariah is the father of the man that goes before Jesus. That, that's something, you know, we don't, we, we don't think about what the consequences of that really means in the time. Like this is their only son who we all know ends up, you know, in a pretty terrible predicament, right? Um, anyone who goes before Jesus and comes after Jesus, uh, you know, when we say to go do likewise in Philippians too, like very much so do not, they live a life of suffering. And so to, to wait this long for a son and then, you know, to know, I think there's some obvious, um, clicking over for Zechariah and for Elizabeth to go, okay, the timing of this is not about us at all. It's something, it's about something much, much bigger. I think, realizing that puts in perspective what our lives are for, what we're called to do Mm -hmm. um, and how very little control we have, but also in our willingness to serve and our willingness to be vessels, what is God going to do with this? And in this case, completely flip uh, our eternity on its head. Right. And so um, what a beautiful, what a beautiful poem. And so that's where I went personally of God, how, how do you desire to use me and how have I gotten in the way of myself? Um, Mm. and so it's a good question to ask ourselves on a regular basis of how we're getting in the way. Yeah. I love that you went to the place of just kind of the overall theme of this whole passage and wondering, um, as Zachariah moved, moved through this, wondering what it would be like for us. And then, even wondering, so how is it that we stand in the way of God's good plans? Now, God is sovereign. Mm-hmm. He'll get his plans accomplished with or without Absolutely. us. Absolutely. I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and and yet we get this amazing gift of being able to participate in the work mm-hmm. that he's set in motion before the foundation of the world, which is just stunning when you start to think about it. And so with you, I I love what you're thinking about here. How is it that we put up barriers to what the Lord wants to do in and through us? I think God tries to ignite in us things that are eternal through very uncomfortable situations, right? And so uh, my prayer is for little tidbits of that and not a full, you know, full silencing or, but I do, I do want that, um, re-centering with our Lord to make sure that I am going the right direction. Cause I definitely can get in my own way so mm-hmm. often. Right. Mm-hmm. So no, this is really definitely a, just a beautiful song, a beautiful reminder of, uh, what we were created to mm-hmm. be and to mm-hmm. do. And even the awareness that in this moment in time, God is changing everything. He's we've known yeah. since all the way back in Genesis that this there have been hints this is coming and things have unfolded, you know, it talks about the oath he swore to his father Abraham back in Genesis 12, the Abrahamic covenant where mm-hmm. God says to Abraham, "All of your offspring will be blessed through you. Look up to the stars. You can't even count." And so there's this, these little hints and even this from the house of David, you know, later we find out that it comes actually out of the line yes. of Judah and David's in the line of Judah and even more specifically out of the line of David. And so all of these prophecies, all of these things are coming to this fruition 
with the birth of Jesus. And I do imagine, I, actually, I can't even imagine what it would be like. It would be like witnessing the second coming. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, I just can't even imagine to be that those people that got to be chosen to witness it firsthand. Like, wow. yeah. And did they know in that time how big it was going to be? Like, I, you know, all of us have imposter syndrome, right. and, you know, so That's all of us good. are thinking, oh no, this is just like by chance or man, that is, it's, it's a good reminder, actually, what you just said, Jody, of what are we missing right yeah. now? Because Oof. we just think it's a normal humdrum, but it's not. Yeah. That's really good. Cause I do think, I mean, God is always working. Yeah. And sometimes we just, we just go right by it. The miracle. And, and like you said, and I wonder if obviously Zachariah and Elizabeth knew Mary knew, but did they really know right? what was really, really happening here? And I wonder even as he spoke these words. And so let's talk about some of this stuff too. Like he says in here, salvation for our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. And then again, in verse 74, he says, he is sent to rescue us from the mm. hand of our enemies. So there's a lot of this deep desire to be saved yes. from their current situation, from the current oppression. Mm-hmm. And so, but did, do you think they understood that Jesus was going to be something different? I think they had hints. I think Zechariah had a hint because he was miraculously shut up for nine plus months, right? I think Elizabeth had a hint. I think Mary and Joseph had a bigger hint. I mean, Mary knew, obviously, that she had not slept with anybody, yet she's pregnant. So there's a whole nother, you know that song, Mary, did you know that your baby boy? Yeah, she knew. <laughs> like, why, why are we singing this song? She absolutely knew because she knows nothing happened. But I think she probably at times thought, am I crazy? This is not normal, you know? <laughs> but when she actually like sits and processes through what has happened to her. She knew Jesus was going to be different. She was the first to know, you know, if we fast forward and look at um, the wedding and she, she was like kind of pushing Jesus ahead. And he said, it is not my time. And she's like, but it is, you know? And so she was expecting, she was ready. And um, yeah, I just, I love, I love that. I, I kind of, I, I always I can't wait to get to heaven and just ask all these questions like what was it like, you know? So Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, what else stood out to you about this passage as you kept digging into it? Man, this whole thing is so good. I uh I also naturally kind of look through things and go, is there a chiasm in here? And I think you pointed it out even just when you were saying how um he's praying for salvation from his enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, and then flip it to seventy-four to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear. I think it's all right. This right here is just a, it's all right for us to question, are we okay? To ask these questions and say, hey, I want these things, God. I want you to save me. I want you to deliver me. I want to not suffer these things. But in the end, for us to actually trust that God will rescue us, that God will have us. And not necessarily physically. I think we have translated, misinterpreted some of this to be like immediate physical in this lifetime. But something that is more and more clear to me is it's not necessarily, nothing is in our timeline. So it may not be on this side of eternity. It might be later on. 
what happens and it may not even affect us in our lifetime, but like generations to come. Right. And so, um, just remembering that our time means really nothing and that Mm. we, if we choose to be a part of the bigger picture, it can be something very, very beautiful. Mm. Um, yeah. And so like that, those two, the, so verse 71, verse 74, just the, the balance of that, uh, really definitely stuck out. And you, I I love that you brought it up, Jody too, because I was like, yeah, that definitely (laughs) That yeah. hit me. That hit me like I am an impatient person, right? So just a reminder to sit and wait and be yeah. still. So yeah. important. Yeah. And and also I think the reminder that's like you said, we sometimes misinterpret things. Like, so they wanted this immediate salvation from their enemies, from the oppression that they were experiencing as the nation of Israel. And they were going, they are going to be given that relief. Um, I mean, and we we can look at our our Jewish brothers and sisters and see that they have been an oppressed people group for a very long time. Like there's there is very clear oppression that has happened to them, even you know within our lifetime or just you know slightly outside of it. Yeah. And so it's just a fascinating um, realization that there seems to be this really interesting target on that people group. And it started way back, way, 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 way back before (laughs) Jesus even came. Yeah. You know, and the other thing that really strikes me about this. So, so the first thing I would say is that sometimes we can misinterpret what we think God is doing. Um, and that the salvation he was bringing was this longer, bigger, way more meaningful salvation Mm -hmm. that would last through eternity, not just for this generation that was experiencing oppression. So that's the first thing that stood out to me. But the other thing that I love is just this imprint of grace that I saw in verse 74 and 75 about enabling us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And so there was this this no longer striving to earn or striving to meet a standard with God, mm-hmm. but then it was just this releasing of the holiness and righteousness doesn't come from us. It comes from Jesus, obviously. And that then releases us to serve him without fear. There was just something so beautiful about that for me Yeah, this morning, even as I was meditating on it. And you know, what's interesting is we use the word salvation as like a past tense, like we were saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, and when you read this in, in context, in scripture, salvation uh, is a present and future tense. It is actually continual. It's a cycle. It's continuing to happen. It will happen kind of a thing. And we, as um, when we translate it, it, it becomes a past tense. So it's not um, like, Hey, when were you saved? When I was 12, I was yeah. saved. And that's yeah. actually not the same kind of salvation that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It is a future. It is a present and future tense kind of a situation. And so just a reminder of how we are to live the salvation out and, and what salvation will do. Um, it, yeah. And, and so again, it goes back to like how we interpret and, and how we are, we are uh, applying what we are, you know, observing in the text. Yeah. Um, it's important yeah. to go back to, to original, the original as much as we can and, and kind of understand from the culture that it's speaking from, not yeah. from our own culture. Right. 
which is a huge thing. It's really hard to not read it through our own cultural lens. Absolutely. And I think we really struggle to really understand. Uh, yes, we're so seeped in Western culture. It is really hard for us to understand the differences. And I think that's okay. As long as we are aware of it, we don't need to understand it fully, but we need to be able to say, good. okay, um, it's not you know, so often we say clearly the Bible says, I'm like, well, tell me where it's clearly. Right. And so for us to actually take a, uh, take a, a, a posture of humility and say, you know, this is how I see it right now. And I don't know about you, Jody, like every five years, I look at what I've thought, what I've journaled. And I'm like, man, I was an idiot. Like I, 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 you know, we've talked about like writing books and I'm like, mm, like, I don't want to put a stamp in time of like, this is what I've thought. And this is like where I'm going because I'm like two sentences away from being a heretic all the time. I feel like and, like someone I'm, I don't think I'm a heretic, but I think someone could hear two sentences and go, she's bonkers. <laughs> I, 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 I see that so, happening. But- <laughs> and- <laughs> You're so kind, but I, I just want to, like, I want to ensure that everything that I am receiving and everything that I am putting out is a, this is at this time what I understand it to yes. be. And I'm going to live in full conviction of the things that God has revealed to me, but I'm not going to be so hard on it that I don't, I, I'm not movable. Yeah. I'm not willing to yeah. have a conversation. Yeah. Right. I love that. I think, yeah. you know, the older I get, the fewer and fewer things are essential. You know, the hill to die on gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And really it's Jesus. It's, it's Mm -hmm. Jesus birth, his death, his resurrection. I mean, like that's, that's, that's the hill that I'm going to, I will. Yep. uh, We'll go toe to toe on that one. It's, that is the Mm -hmm. only (laughs) way is salvation by faith through Jesus. Now, all of these other things um, whether it's, you know, gifts of the spirit or how we worship or what we think about women in ministry or all, all the things like we don't even need to list them. There's just, there's thousands of them, but they're these almost, and some of them are deeply important to me. So I'm not even saying that they're not deeply important to me, but they aren't essentials of faith. And so we can disagree and we should, as brothers and sisters, we should have conversations about things. I mean, we see our just the disciples do this. They have this yeah. council where they get together and they wrestle through things as well and decide what are we going to believe? What are we teaching the people around us? And I, like you, I look back and I go, whoa, I have really grown and changed. The more I study, the more I learn about God's word, the more I realize that things that seem so black and white in the text are really gray. The more we get yes. to dig into original context and what was happening in say Ephesus at the time, you know, what was exactly. really going on there. And the more archaeologists and historians are learning as they're digging into this stuff. Yeah. So yes, that's a long way to say I'm hundred percent in agreement with you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so good. So good. Well, I would love to know, Jenny, um, you know, we talked a little bit about salvation and what that means in this, you know, moment in time in this ongoing what tell me a little bit about your journey with the Lord and and even just his kind of leading you into ministry. I'd love to hear a little bit of that story. Yeah, you know, if we go all the way back, uh I I remember you know, not seeing a lot of women any at all. 
in in leadership. If they were in ministry at all, it was because they were married to a pastor. So I remember being asked as a teenager what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I already knew at that point that I was called. Um, I didn't know what that meant. I just knew I was called. And so I remember saying, I want to be a pastor's wife. Well, I mean, long story short, here we are, fast forward. My husband is not a pastor, but I am. And I thought I was kind of on this road by myself. And now we see more and more women, not only in really in intentional leadership, even as a pastor's wife, but also either co-pastoring or just being a pastor and their husband is not right. And so we're seeing more and more of this calling in our culture and in our time um, of seeing this happen. But I do remember thinking to myself when I was younger, like, am I really called? Because I don't, I, I was born a, a woman and I don't know what this means because I don't see this in front of me. And so what I have been learning in, in, uh, you know, over two decades of, of vocational ministry is that God does things in ways that we cannot envision that we do not know. There is a whole generation of women that don't know what it looks like to not have women on a platform. And I love it. I love it so much. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I don't believe, I think, you know, this is probably not yes, but here we go. I don't think that we were made as to usurp men. I don't think that men are worthless. I think men are also called. And what as the Imago day, as the image of God, how can we best reflect God, our triune God in community with himself, how are, can we best do it as his creation? So I am a woman, I am a minority woman, and I can work with a, a, a man to make sure that we are actually doing kingdom work. I think what is very, uh, this is, this is more the norm than not in what I've seen. And I don't know if you agree or not, but I feel so often that we can shift our faith that is very much kingdom minded. It all starts in a good place and we shift it and flip it to an empirical model where it is for our own empire. It is for the winning of the majority and it's mm-hmm. for, um, it's to put others in their place, quote unquote, right? And why, why are there, why is there a, um, why is there a system of who's greater and who deserves more and who does not? When we see Jesus, you know, when we look, Fast forward through this scripture, specifically this passage. When we fast forward, we look at Jesus coming for the marginalized. He comes for the oppressed. He comes for those that no one else deems worthy. Mm-hmm. And so how are we on the flip side saying, okay, well, these people deserve Jesus. The ones that have more resources, the more, the more, um, the less oppressed, I would say. Um, and, and so, you know, I think we just need to be, for me, at least that has been something that I had to grapple with. You talked about this earlier, like we, we are not good at wrestling through things. Uh, if we look at our rabbis of this time, even, even going back, they never had a problem with wrestling and talking through and disagreeing right. freely. And mm-hmm. just, that mm-hmm. was just part of the culture. Our culture is if you disagree with me, 
then you're canceled and you're wrong and we no longer have a relationship. And that's, that's just not true. That's not iron sharpening iron. I, I want to make sure that those around me don't think like me so that I'm mm-hmm. always challenged mm-hmm. to become more, mm-hmm. to become better. Right. And so I think we need to actually invest in the, the practice of disagreeing freely. And then more importantly, loving regardless on the other end yeah. of it. We're so yeah. like, we're done with you. And it, yeah. and it, that doesn't help anybody at all. Yeah. And it's the opposite of what Jesus came for. Right. So yeah, I think that, so to answer your question, that is definitely what, um, in the last, who knows what, uh, you know, that I've been struggling with and grappling with and mm. how am I actually a part of the solution? How am I furthering the kingdom and not growing my own empire? Mm. That's so good because we have not seen any of the growing of the own empire end well. Nope. I mean, we just keep seeing it being toppled and maybe yep. that's even just the reckoning that needs to happen yeah. in the church, Yeah, but it is disheartening and it, it is, um, it just, yeah, I, it just makes me grieve the pain that is being caused because of kingdom building in the wrong way. Yeah. Um, as you just said, so gosh, that's really good. That is a great thing to keep contemplating. And even as we're entering, um, and, you know, rounding out this season of Advent, we're in the third week now and thinking through how Jesus has come really to dismantle all yeah. of those things and to flatten the system and um and to invite all of us in and so i i just love that as a great way to end that we jesus has come mm. so that we can freely enter into this community and this relationship with him and um as the verse verses that we meditated on end with in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Amen. That is, that is what we are gifted through um, our faith in Jesus. So, so good. so good. Thank you. That's so good. I love it. Jenny, thank you for just making space to have this conversation. It was so fun to talk to you. I will always make time for you. You're so fun. You're my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You're the best. Thanks for having me on. Well. <laughs> Of course, of course. Well, you know, when I see and find a a smart female pastor, I am in because like you just said, I I love that God calls all of us to serve him. And um and so it just it makes me happy when I get to talk to other women who are serving the Lord with everything they have. So, thanks again. I want to take a quick second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership. And if you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They have shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and even this one on scripture meditation. And as always, I want to thank you for joining me on So Much More because we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us, and we are creating space to listen. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free Story Behind podcast. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.